Amen. Isn't this weather great? <laughs> we last week we had the privilege of being up in Boise, Idaho, uh, and it was <laughs> there was five foot of snow uh, in their parking lot, about a foot on the ground. And we got there on uh, Friday night late, and it was snowing. Got up Saturday morning, it was snowing. <laughs> it was great. I loved it, you know. And uh, I thought, my! I told the guys we were we were in meetings, and then. Uh, uh, for for Adam his, ordina his ordination and uh, they they didn't seem really happy about welcoming the snow I don't know what they're I think they're they have a bitter heart or something I don't know what it is but I got here this morning thought what is this you know <laughs> yeah I thought you know this is Florida snow and uh, we're more used to Florida snow aren't we we're glad that you're here let me read these to you lions Bengal tigers eagles broncos Panthers, Seahawks, Bears, Dolphins, Jaguars. You know, I was looking around and to try to figure out some this. I'm going to talk about grasshoppers today. And, uh, you know, I was, look at that. And uh, I was going to talk about the mighty grasshopper. And, and I thought, surely, you know, like the New England grasshoppers. And, or, or I thought the, <laughs> I thought, uh, or maybe it was Atlanta grasshoppers, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I thought we have gotten in trouble with that, haven't we? So I better not do that. But, uh, you know, I was thinking, certainly, uh, because the Bible, of course, in, New in, in Numbers 33 is where we're going to be. So go ahead and turn there. Numbers 33, it actually talks about this. And, uh, but I was looking, trying to figure out, you know, of, uh, how mighty this grasshopper was. And I couldn't find any, any sporting team excepting, I think there's Greenboro grasshoppers. It's a minor league, minor league uh, baseball team. So it is actually, someone actually uses that terminology and all. So we'll be talking about that. It's going to have a part of our service uh, this, uh, this morning. And, uh, and so we want to kind of get you keyed into this. Uh, you know, in preparation for this, uh, uh, Paul uh, made this statement in Philippians where he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Uh, Paul certainly had confidence when it came to serving the Lord. And I think confidence, self-confidence in a person's life is a wonderful, terrible thing. I mean, it can be either way. It's wonderful if your confidence is in humility, but a terrible thing if your confidence is based in pride. What happens if it's based in pride, you're turning to a person that's arrogant, a snob, a kind of a jerk, and uh, you don't want to deal with people like that and all. But Paul wasn't that kind of person. Uh, Paul had great confidence. His confidence was in the Lord. In Philippians 3.3, 3, he talks about he had no confidence in the flesh. I appreciate that. Uh, if there's someone that could have had confidence in the flesh, it probably would have been Paul. I mean, you think about the things that God used him to do. and You think about the trials that God brought him through. And so if anyone could have certainly had a way of being confident, it probably would have been Paul. But he didn't. He didn't have any confidence in the flesh or his national heritage or his religious background or the wonderful things he accomplished. No, his confidence was in the Lord. Now, the Bible says in Philippians, you, you know, I'll just read this to you. Uh, the Bible says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Now, in this message I'm going to bring to you this morning, there's three lessons I want to give to you, and I'll stop and say, here's lesson number one. Because, you know, I want you to walk out of here. And it's really our desire when you come here on Sunday morning not to simply say, well, it wasn't all that boring. <laughs> and I didn't sleep too much, you know. 
And uh, we really like for you to, to walk out of here with something to do this week, something to work on. Uh, our desire is to help you grow in your Christian life, and you can't do that by simply listening to what I'm saying. You've got to apply it to your life. It's got to somehow translate from this going on here to what's going on on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Because I really believe this Christian thing is a full-time thing. Amen? The full-time stuff. I'm not Christian on Sunday morning. I mean, this, this, my walk with God is, is all the time. And so my desire for you this morning is to give you some tools and some things to work on. And yes, homework so you can get busy about this growing in the Lord. Lesson number one, here we go. One of the basic prerequisites for progress and growth in the Christian life is to learn from the past without being controlled by the past. Such a vital thing. I know people today that call themselves believers. And the reason that they're not active toward the things of God is because of what happened in the past. Whatever difficulty they went through. Can I kind of interject something right here? Don't we all go through difficulties? Is your life problem-free? Are you living in an existence where you don't have challenges? I mean, this world, the Bible says tribulation, problems. This is what kind of makes up this world. And so, but I know people that, that because of their past, they excuse their inactivity today. Well, preacher, you don't know what happened over here. You don't know what went on over there. And because of that, they're inactive today. And the Bible's real clear that what Paul is saying here in Philippians, there are some things that we need to forget. There are some things that are, should be in the past. I can't control or deal with the past, but I have something to say about the present and the future. God has placed within my hands and your hands an opportunity to make a difference in the area in the, in the area we happen to be living in. God wants us to make a difference. God, God has left us here as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Man, we represent the king, and so it's important to understand that and to, and to deal with that. Now, we've almost used a month of 2017. Isn't that something? We've almost, we're almost through this month, and if your life is pretty much like it was in 2016, something's wrong. And, you know, you've heard us talk about how to manage your time. Uh, several lessons have been dealing with trying to help you to take 2017 and make it a very productive and profitable year. Uh, if you want to change the direction of your life, you want to be more productive, and you, surely you do. Uh, you surely wouldn't be satisfied with how things are right now. You, you really want your life to, to impact as we look at 2017. So the question, how does that happen? How, do, how, can, how, that, how can that take place? You know, what, what can we do? How many times have we said this? If you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, what are you? You're what? Let's hear it again. Crazy, insane? Is that like a... Anyway, and so, but you know, it's just, it's just not going to happen. You know, and what's so funny, we, we, we live these lives year after year, and that same thing happens, and then we ask ourselves the question, I can't believe this is happening. What are you... Come on, guys. We got, we got some stuff, stuff to do. We got some, a job to do. God has some things. He has some things in 2017. He, he wants, he's got some special stuff in 2017 for you. Get ready. Get prepared. You know, I, when God deals with me, I want to be in a position that I can receive what he is saying to me. Now, there's five steps 
that we're going to have to take. And we're going to, today will be in Numbers 33 that will help us with this. But there's some steps, I'm sorry, Numbers 13. How many are in Numbers 33? Get out of there. <laughs> Move to Numbers 13. Although you can stay in 33, you know, I like, like the year. But, uh, but we're going to be in, in Numbers 33, and we're going to share five things with you, one this morning for next week, dealing with steps. And, and, and we're working hard on these things because I really believe that you've walked in here this morning, particularly you've walked through the storm and the clouds and the rain. And you know, you're here this morning, and so i got to believe that you're interested in doing something in 2017. It's my goal to give you some things to work on, things you can do. You can do to make 2017 a great year for you. Here's the first one. You need to consciously include God in every aspect of your life. You need to consciously include God in every aspect of your life. That's step one. Nation of Israel were in bondage. Over 400 years, they came to a place in, in, in Kadesh Barnea, and God told them that, I want you to go into the promised land. I have something for you, and I want you to go there. And they, this was their instruction. Uh, they were instructed to do this. They were instructed to go to the promised land. And, and uh, they had, you think about what's going on here now, guys. Think about what's, what's happening here. They just came out of bondage. Uh, they came through the Red Sea. Egyptians, guys, got, you know, got killed. 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 They died. And so anyway, they, they, they kicked off and they were grounded. But, but <laughs> I got to get off this and all. But anyway, they're gone. They're gone now. Okay, and so God led him through the Red Sea. Open sea, that was a cool thing and all. He had a fire at night and cloud during the day. He was taking care of them, feeding them, all that kind of stuff. I mean, God had supplied their every need. And God said, hey, guys, I want you to go to the promised land, to Canaan. Come on, guys, go to Canaan. Now, my thought would be, okay. But for some reason, they sent 12 spies in there. I, I'm not really sure what, why that took place, but it did take place and all. And so they sent 12 spies in there, and, and God said the land was great for agriculture. And they were farmers, great for cattle. They were raising cattle. All that kind of stuff was good. I mean, everything that God said, it was. They came back. Those 12 guys came back. And we see their account in verse 33, chapter 13. We see their account. And, they, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anakin which come of the giants and were uh, in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So they came back, and they, they, they found themselves, it was exactly the way God said it would be. I mean, it was, uh, the land was milk and honey. It was, uh, it was a prosperous, fertile place and all. And yet they were, they were these giants, and they said, you know, we saw these giants, and by the way, these giants were farmers, by the way. And lift, the, lift that little detail out. They, were, they weren't military men at all. These people <clears throat> were giants, and, and so therefore they get to a situation that said, you know, we looked at that land, and we were like grasshoppers. And you know what's interesting? When they said, we're like grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. But the deal is this, guys. That wasn't true. That wasn't true. In fact, I won't read it to you, but in Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, the people of Canaan, when they saw, when they started thinking about the Israelites and what was going on with the Israelites, they, they were aware of what God had done for the Israelites. And in reality, they were afraid of the Israelites. And so this wasn't true. 
But you know, we're not, you know what I found to be the case? It doesn't make any difference what others think. If you see yourself as a grasshopper, nothing, not even obvious facts, will make the slightest difference in your life. These guys, God promised them this promised land. He had kept his word over and over and over again. And they went in there and came back with this evil report. And, you know, and, and I, when it comes to this doing something in 2017, if you have developed this grasshopper attitude, it is hard to deal with that, even in your own life. Lesson number two. You ready? The greatest failure we face in our Christian life is facing human problems with human resources. With the grasshopper complex, you're doomed to fail. The question you should be asking is, God, what can you do? But what you actually ask is, what can I do? What is my ability? What is my gifts? What is my talent? And our failure is we do not include God in every aspect of our life. We just don't do it. And because of that, we leave ourselves open for this type of behavior. Now, okay, that was all introduction. Let me give you the message. How'd they get there? How'd that happen? I mean, these folks had a walk with God. These folks had seen God do, had taken them out of slavery. They had seen, I'm not talking years before. This had happened pretty quick, not, not, not very long in the past. They had seen God, I mean, God do miraculous things. They'd seen God take care of the Egyptians. They'd seen God open the waters. They'd seen God lead them, uh, you know. All that happened. How did they get to this state? Have you ever looked at your life and said, how did I get this way? Have you ever said that? How did I get the way I am right now? What happened to put me in the situation where I am right now? Let me show you. Look at verse 31 of chapter 13. We kind of see the progress. We kind of see what happened. Verse 31. This is a 12th slide. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. The first thing that comes into mind here, we see that, that took place, it was negative thinking. We, you get that? <laughs> so, it's so important. He said, we are not able. You may be here this morning and say, I'm not able. I got it. You don't have to be able. He's able. You got me? He's the one that's going to get the job done. Look at, their, look at their thinking. We're not able. They're so much stronger than me. You're telling me they're stronger than God. Is that what you're saying? Is that what they're saying? Oh, God. God couldn't. Yes, he can. But your negative thinking that led them to this declaration in verse 32. They were negative in their thinking. The second thing was verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land though which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants. <laughs> I don't really know what that means. Is it quicksand? I don't know. And uh, they, they, they did, they eat the people, and all the people that we saw in, that, in there are men of great stature. You know, I find that when people that travel down the road of not wanting to do God's will, and I'm not telling you, do, I'm not saying God's will is easy. I'm not saying when you go to the promised land, there might be some giants. It may be. You know, sometimes we think, well, if I'm in God's will, I shouldn't have any problems. If I'm in God's will, my kids ought to be perfect. 
You know what I believe? If that's true, no one's in God's will. Do you know any perfect kids? No. And so that's, that's, that's erroneous thinking. That, that makes sense. So we find these guys that, these ten spies, they went into the land and, and, and you know, here's what's kind of, here's what's kind of bothers me. God said for you to do it. Shouldn't that settle it? Did, did God, when God tells you to do something, shouldn't you just do it? Isn't that what walking with the Lord is? Come on, guys. And so we find that here he is. Okay, this group, they're negative. Oh, this land's going to eat us up, and this land will, and, and they're they exaggerated. Unbelief always distorts the facts. Always, it always magnifies the difficulty. You say, well, does it end there? Oh, I wish it did. It doesn't end there. Look at chapter 14. Look at verse 2. They just said we're not, we're, we're, we're grasshoppers. Verse 2, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and, and against Aaron. Now, that would have been a great place of leadership. Wouldn't that have been fun? Be leading these folks. They murmured against them. And the whole congregation said of them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. And probably Moses said, yes, that would have been good. Or would God we had died in the wilderness. Either one would have worked for him. Verse 3. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land? Now, please listen to what's being said. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us to his land? Whose fault they were, was that? Who were they blaming for being there? God. Whoa. Look what he said. God did this. To fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey. Get it. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Did you see that? They said, we are going to run. We are going to get away from this problem and eat. And, and, and when they were, they were specific, they were going to go back to bondage, to slavery. They preferred slavery over doing God's will. Does that, does that make any sense? No, it don't make no sense. How many times do we do that? And so they, you know, they, man, you talk about a situation, and, and I mean, of course, Moses and Aaron was there, and they were murmuring against them. They were blaming them. They were blaming God. Well, we, we, I mean, they, they had negative thinking. They exaggerated the problem, and they wanted to run. You know the problem with running is? Where do you stop? Where do you stop? You don't. Now, Moses was hearing all this. And I'm sure he wasn't happy. Let me tell you the difference between a steward, a shepherd, and a hireling. It's right here. You see what Moses did. Now, look at verse, uh, look at verse 11. All, you can read the whole thing later. It's, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on. But verse 11 kind of picks this up. And the Lord said unto Moses, he was hearing all this stuff. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? I don't want to be provoking God. You know, I may, I may mess up. I don't mind provoking you. I particularly enjoy provoking Eric. But I, ain't gonna provo I don't want to provoke God. I mean, you know, I don't want that to happen. How long will this people provoke me? That's the question. How long will it be ere they believe me? They don't believe me. For all the signs which I have showed among them. So what's going to happen? I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a great nation and mightier than they. God had looked this stuff, 
and look what the people were doing. So, you know, sometimes we live our life like God is not around. Am I right, Rick? Am I right about that? We act like God is not even paying. Hey, God is paying attention. There's nothing. He says that there's not, there's not a bird that falls or a hair. Well, for the hair thing. But, uh, you know, that you can lose that God is not aware of. He's very much aware of Eric and I. And, uh, but, but the thing is that he, he is aware. He's, he's an underneath hand in these situations and all. And, and they live and act like that's not the case. And so they're, they're rebelling and, and against God, against God's goodness, and they're, they're questioning God's leadership. God said, hey, we're going to kill them all. He's talking to Moses. And Moses, if you'd have been Moses, what would you have said? I said, because here, here was the deal. It was things were going to stop. What God said, I'm going to, I'm going to kill these people for their rebellion, and I'm going to, and of you, Moses, I'm going to make the nation. I'll remake it. Now Moses and Aaron was sitting in there and listening to all this stuff, and they could have said, Yeah, kill those people. What a, you know, what a wonderful thing that would be. What a, what a blessing you know, that would be. I'm not. I, I don't know if he thought that. But I can tell you what he did. Look at verse 19. After all this, all this going on, he said this is Moses, pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of the people according to the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt, even unto now. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which, this is God talking to, uh, to uh, Moses, dealing with this situation. He said, because, verse 20, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to thy voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their Fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. Yes, God's going to forgive him, but there's consequences to sin. That's what you're seeing here. Uh, yeah, God, I'm thankful for someone. I hope there's some Moses out there that when we see people messing up, rather than saying, well, they get what they deserve. How would you like it happening to you? Aren't you glad you don't get what you deserve? Aren't you glad for God's mercy? I praise God for his grace and mercy. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for Moses that here he was, a, he was a, as they were rejecting his leadership and they were murmuring against him and they were certainly, I'm saying, there was a, he was in, is in peril, if you will, but instead of being upset with the people, his heart broke. That's what we need, isn't it? What breaks our heart today? Our football team loses. Our hearts broke. We're foolish. We have been deceived. We're living in deceptive times. Satan has put forth a great smoke screen to get us diverted to things that are, we think are so important. I tell you what is so important. When God starts dealing with people. And I'm thankful for Moses. Moses says, God, please pardon these people. Please be merciful to these people. And he was merciful and kind and gracious to them. But, on, but, but he also said there's going to be some consequences for the, for the kind of decisions and things they're, that they're doing. If you look at verse 39, we see another thing going on. Moses kind of related to the people what God was saying. 
Verse 39, he said, And Moses told these things unto all the children of Israel, and, they, and the people mourned greatly. The people did not repent. They mourned. Not the same thing. It's like being, it's like being sorry you got caught. <laughs> That's kind of what was going on there. They got caught, so they're sorry. There's not any repentance. You don't see any repentance. And you're going to see in just a minute, it's going to be proved that they weren't repenting. I mean, they, they weren't listening to God. Uh, they wanted to serve God the way they wanted to serve God. Whatever they wanted to do, that's what God would do. They thought. So he gave them the message. They, they mourned. Look at verse 40, thir chapter 13. And they rose up early in the morning and got them up unto the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and we'll go up unto the place where the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. That sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? It just isn't. The promise wasn't there anymore. The promise had been revoked. I'll serve God on my terms. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll do it the way I want to do it. I'll get right when I want to get right. I don't think so. You need to read your Bible. There's something you're not seeing. Moses was still there, verse 41. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper? He was saying, Are you ever going to learn? Are you not going to learn? Have you, have you not? Didn't you hear what he said? Haven't you seen how he responded? And you're going to do this? You're going to, you know, you, you're going to take this, so, this promise over here that's been rescinded, and you're going to... Moses said in verse 42, Go not up, for the Lord's not, not among you, guys, that you be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you are turned away from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord will not be with you. Now listen, verse 44 is a sobering, sobering verse. But they presumed. I wonder how many people presume on God. They presumed. They, they thought God was going to fit in their program. God was going to move according to how they wanted him to move. They presumed that God was going to do something. You cannot order God around. That's the most chilling scripture to me. And I've had people be real close to what that scripture. I've had them talk to me like this before. And it's always been a bad situation. But they presumed to go up onto the hilltop. Never let, this is cool, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. They did not go with them. The Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites, which dwelled in the hill, and smote and discomforted them even at Horeb. I think it's important to understand what's going on here. <laughs> Please keep this in context. These are God's people. I'm not talking about the Malachites, the Canaanites, whatever ites you want to have. These were God's people. How could God's people act this way? How could we act this way? How, we, how can we be so rebellious? Let me give you the third lesson. God will often put us in situations that are too much for us so that we can learn 
depend on him. God will often put us in situations that are too much for us so that we can learn to depend on him. See, nothing is too hard for the Lord. And the, and the very first point that we brought to you that I want to close out with is that we must include God in all our plans. It's not, here's my plan, let me work God in that. That is not what's going on. That's exactly what they were saying. Here's our plan, God, and you can work in that. And God said, it's not going to happen. You are going to suffer for your rebellion. And then, you know what's so, stra and, and what's so strange about this? Uh, and and I, don't, I don't have the rest of the thing going on, but the, the, here they are. These things are happening to them, and they're blaming God for their decisions. And yet, they would say, it's my life. I can live it however I want. No one can tell me how to live my life. Really? And then you want to invoke God in there somewhere. Isn't that hypocrisy? Did you wonder why the world laughs at us? Why they look at us in derision? Because we say God's in control, but he isn't. Because we are in control. And what happened to the nation of Israel as, as God was leaving and God was working with them? They had come to a place that they believed that since they were God's people, that God would look the other way because of who they were. And God said, that is not the way it goes. So my question to you this morning, are you including God in all aspects of your life? How about your eternity? Are you including God in your eternity? Or you think you're going to get to heaven because you're a pretty good guy or a pretty good girl? I mean, your parents were believers, and so you must be a believer. Now it goes, but the, we know the Bible said to include God in all your life, you have to receive him as your personal Savior. This morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you need to ask him to forgive you and to cleanse you of your sins and to come into your heart and be your personal Savior. The Bible calls it salvation. How about, have you included him in your, in your time? Do you work God in? Have you included him in your talents, your gifts? Are you including him in your finances? Is he first in all these areas? We have to consciously include God. It's actually against our nature to include God because our nature is sin. It's not our nature to include God because to include God, that means that we have to take our hands off our lives and allow him to be in control of our lives and he may lead us in the places that we don't want to go. Let me hasten to say, he probably will. We've had the privilege of serving the Lord a long time, a lot of years, and I've never found it not to be otherwise. Sometimes he'll lead me to places and decisions that I'm making that I don't really want to go or don't want to do, but afterwards, wow. Wow, what a great thing God's doing in my life. So this morning, God brought you here to speak to you. You may be here, you got, you're negative in your thinking, exaggerating in the problem. You want to run. If I could just run, it'd get better. You heard this thing, uh, it's always greener on the other side. You heard that before? You know where it's greener? Where you water it. Just water what you have. 
And so this morning, God, has, you brought you here. Maybe you're here, there's some big decisions coming your way, and you need to include God in those decisions. Maybe you're here this morning, and you know, you're trying to do this on your own. You're trying to get this thing worked out. Rather than whether what we need to do, the Bible says we need to decrease, and he will increase. I really want God working in my life. You do. I want God to really you know, be there for me. Okay. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. So God has spoke to you this morning, whatever your need might be. Maybe you have the beginnings of the grasshopper complex. We, we're like grasshoppers. I don't know about you. I've not seen many wars won with grasshoppers. They're very weak insects. But you know what? You don't have to be that way. It's, what was interesting, God didn't see them that way. They saw themselves that way. It wasn't a God problem. It was their perception. And so this morning, you have an opportunity. You know what Satan likes to do to us? Have you, have you all ever talked to yourself? We do it all the time, don't we? Oh, I, I'm such a bad person. I'm this, I'm that. You know, I encourage you this morning. God wants to do something in 2017 with your life. You've already, you've already got a month gone. We only have 11 months left. Come on, guys. Let's not, let's not be here this next year and say, oh, man, I need to get something done. You knowing you need to get something done doesn't solve the problem. You've got to start. Where the nation of Israel should have started was they should have moved into Canaan right away. God said it. Whether you believe it or not, that should settle it. God doesn't need my stamp of approval. He needs my obedience, my worship. So this morning, you have an opportunity to respond to what God is doing in your life. I, you've heard me say, you, right back there, you see, you can take care of everything. I got it. We still have altars, and like sometimes it's good to come kneel at the altar. Do you say, can, can I meet with God back from You certainly can do that. But there will be some evidence of it. God will be doing something in your life. So I just challenge you. As we, as we just laid the groundwork this morning and next week we're going to nail it down by the grace of God, my desire, I really want you, as we look at this next year, I, I want this next year, I want you to happen to it. Not it happening to you. I don't want you to be a victim. You are never, in God's economy, ever to be a victim. You're a victor. That's what God wants for you. But do you want that? If you don't see it, do you see if you see yourself there? Well, it's it's a, I, even the obvious facts won't change what's getting ready to happen. Let's stand, please, for prayer. Father, we come to you this morning, and we're thankful and grateful for the, these accounts that we can read. And you know, how do people get messed up? How do they get to a place of rebellion? And and God, you know, what, what, I want to learn by example. I don't want to have to experience these things. And there's folks here this morning, they're on this trail. Man, they, they are, are, God is speaking to them, and they are not responding. God has dealt, maybe they're, they're not sure about eternity. They need to come and let someone show them how they can know for sure heaven's their home. They need to take care of that. There's folks sitting here this morning, when it's coming to their families or coming to their jobs or, or just whatever is working in their life, it's just kind of, it's a mess. And so, Father, I pray right now that we'll not uh, allow Satan to, to build that case against the things of God. That we won't allow that negative, exaggerating 
running type mentality be a part of our life, that we, we are going to be obedient to the best of our ability, that we're going to yield to him. And so, Father, you know the needs that are here. And Father, I pray that this morning that I, this is not an easy thing to admit nor is an easy thing to do because we're, trying, we're talking about a change, our life change. But I pray, God, there's folks here this morning that, that I pray that they'll say, you know, I'm going to include God, consciously include God in every aspect of my life. Help them to understand what that means. It may take them to places they don't like and things they don't necessarily want to do, but it's going to be the best for them. So I thank you for this now. We just are grateful for you, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we extend the invitation, God has spoken to you. God dealing with your heart. Thank you.